Welcome to So What Do You Think, a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jay and with me here is B. Hey. She's being a naughty child on her phone right now. Shut up. <laughs> it's on the floor and it's on silent. <laughs> all right. So tonight, uh, first of all, I want to say that we've got a case that does mention suicide. So trigger warning to those of you who... Um, may be affected by that but not to say that this was a suicide we just it's one of the things we might discuss so so first of all question have you watched the most I know you don't watch tv but you do watch some things have you watched the most recent series of unsolved mysteries no no okay it's an old show I'm sure everyone's heard of it um, but they rehashed it um, they brought it back for a new revival over the last couple of years and there are some, you know, pretty good episodes. Not all of them are that great. Uh, it's a lot like this show, actually. It's There's some missing person stuff. There's some murder stuff. There's some paranormal creepy stuff. So it's a bit like, you know, what we sort of present. But it's it's largely been, let me just say that there's been a couple of cases in the last couple of years that have really made me scratch my head and think what the hell's going on here. So there's one that's sort of been on my mind since I first um, watched the show. I think I maybe watched this episode the year before last. I thought we could maybe go through it and see what we think because it is a really bizarre one. So tonight we're going to be talking about the mysterious death of Ray Rivera. This one's been talked about quite a bit on socials. So you haven't heard about it? No. Okay, cool. All right, so... Ray was a 32-year-old finance writer and he and his wife Allison had recently relocated from California to Baltimore. They had done this because Ray's friend Porter Stansbury had offered him a job as a writer and videographer for his company. Now his company was called Stansbury and Associates Investment Research. At the time of his death though in May 2006, Ray had quit working for that company and was now more doing like a freelance thing. He was doing freelance mainly for the umbrella company for Stansbury called Agora Publishing. I'm not sure why the original job didn't work out, but there doesn't seem to have been any bad blood between Ray and Porter. Now, Ray was a movie buff and he hoped to become a screenwriter one, one day. He was also one of those guys who just sort of loved to write all the time. He had countless journals that he would just fill with his random musings. It just sounds like he was just like one of those people who was really, really full of life, liked to get involved with everything, was interested in learning about everything, um, loved to write almost like a stream of consciousness sort of thing in his diaries all the time. He was just all about everything sort of guy. That actually reminded me a bit of another case that we have talked about, and that was of Hannah Up. You remember our fugue state lady who kept on disappearing and she disappeared from the Virgin Islands? Everyone yeah. said that about her too. You know, she was full of life. She just, like, tackled everything yeah. head on and everything. So yeah. a week before his death, his wife, Alison, said that his latest obsession was Freemasonry. I mean, potentially we're talking about someone who could have even had, like, ADHD or something, you know, the type of ADHD where you just, like, oh, my God, I'm 150% into this thing today and then tomorrow I'm going to be into another thing, you know. <laughs> Are you talking about me? <laughs> Are you talking about me? Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> my, well, 
I've got one craft project over here <laughs> on my coffee table. I got another one in the other room. <laughs> and yeah, too many. Too many. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can you can relate to him then, right? <laughs> so the latest thing, according to his wife, right before he died, was Freemasonry. He was getting right into Freemasonry. You were giving me ideas. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do Freemasonry. I think that's a man thing. <laughs> so he had been reading up about it, researching it, getting right into it. And he'd been reading the book called The Builders, which was all about Freemasonry and its origins and everything. On the day he died, he'd purchased Freemasons for dummies. <laughs> I mean... That in itself is hilarious. I've just got to say the fact that there's a book called Freemasons for Dummies. There's a uh, dummy for everything. I know, I know. I know. It's ridiculous. Random, very random. Um, and he'd also inquired about joining the Maryland Lodge as well. So he was right into it, right? So on May 16, 2006, Ray was at home and we know he got a phone call from someone at Agora for whom he had worked. Now, Alison wasn't there. She was away somewhere else at the time someone a family friend I believe was staying with them at the time and so she sort of attested to the happenings in the house at the time now she said that he got this call now no one has ever come forward and said that it was them that called him but we know that the call came from Agora's switchboard because it was traced we do not know what this call was about but it prompted him to just sort of take off out of the house it was like he had been told that he'd forgotten an important meeting or appointment or something, the way that he just sort of took off and that was it. He never returns home. So it's a few days later after this that his friends and family um, decide that they're just going to go out and have a look, right? So the police are essentially looking for him at this time, but his friends and family are like, you know what, we're going to go and have a look too because, you know, he's got to be somewhere. And so Alison's parents come by, they're going to help as well, and they're actually the ones who find his car in a parking lot near his workplace. So I'm not sure why it took everyone that long to find the car, but everyone's like, okay, cool, we found the car. We'll look in this building. Maybe he's here somewhere, you know. It's like a multi-level car park and, you know, they go all through the car park, search it. Eventually they get up to the roof, cannot find him, nowhere to be seen. One of Ray's co-workers who was there searching with them at the time does notice something though. And it's something really weird. He notices that in the building next door, which is like lower than the roof of the car park and a little bit far further away, as you look down onto the roof, there was like a hole in the roof. Now, it wasn't a huge hole. It was, you know, maybe manhole sized, but it clearly wasn't meant to be there. It wasn't, you know, a, we have put this hole here for a reason hole. It was a, oh my God, something's gone through the roof hole. So the building in which this hole existed was the Belvedere Hotel. And that is an old building that had kind of been added on over the years. Um, and the room where the hole was, was an add-on as well. So it had at some stage been some sort of ballroom or something like that back in the day. The building actually um, wasn't a hotel anymore, but was more like a mixture of retail spaces and condos and that sort of thing. It was like a mixed sort of thing over there. So they think, okay, well, not necessarily related to Ray, but it's a weird hole in a roof, so let's go over and have a look. So they head over to the building and they find that 
the room with the hole is actually accessible from the street and the parking garage in which was attached, which is where his car was found. So that was interesting. So they, they head in, they go to the room, and unfortunately they find Ray's body under the hole in the roof on the floor. So initial thoughts. And let me first say, no, the parking garage was way too far away for him to have jumped off it and landed through the hole. This was a building that was quite a ways away. So thoughts on the hole and Ray and how he ended up there? I have no idea because I'm just really confused. I'm trying to picture this. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why we're talking about it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just, there's a parking garage and then there's a hole and then there's a Ray. (laughs) Yeah. How do you all come together? What the hell? Yeah, I know. Like, it's like, where did he come from if he did fall through that hole? Like, did he fall from the sky? What is going on, you know? I mean, guess given the info that we have so far, it was like, oh, it it was a suicide. He jumped, you know, that's what's happened. But there are some details that make this a little less clear cut than that. So the hole was reasonably small. It would have had to have been made by someone doing like a tin soldier sort of jump, not like as I'd imagine if someone had like jumped or fallen off a building towards this roof, they'd kind of be flailing their arms around involuntarily. Like you'd do it even if you were sort of committing suicide. You don't usually do like a tin soldier. Yeah. Next to the hole, so this is the weirdest part, right? So he's gone through the roof. He's inside the Belvedere building on the floor dead. Now. On the roof, where the hole has been created, next to the hole is Ray's phone, his thongs or flip-flops for those who aren't in Australian, um, and his, his sunglasses. Thongs. Let's just clarify. Yeah, not not um, a thong. Not thongs. a thong. <laughs> um, and his sunglasses. So fo- phone, thong, sunglasses laid sitting next to the hole like they'd been placed there. The mobile phone and sunglasses, not a scratch on them. And the thongs placed neatly side by side next to the hole as well. Now, one thong had a broken strap, but other than that, they weren't scuffed, they weren't broken otherwise, and they were set down nicely next to the hole. So let's just unpack all of that. What are your initial thoughts on that? Uh, uh, (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. Is this going to be a new thing? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we should change it from so what do you think to this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It's weird. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like you you might be able to say, okay, somehow he has fallen through the roof. But like if that's the case, like surely your thongs would just go flying, you know, like when you're either that or they'd stay on your feet and end up in the building with you. Yeah. Surely your phone is going to break if it's fallen onto a roof. And like. Someone has placed this stuff next to the hole by the looks of it. So could all of that stuff have just landed there by chance? I guess it's possible, but not really likely to me. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it could have just happened randomly? No, I don't think so. Right. So another strange thing was that where the hole was, the only place he could have jumped from was a roof that was 13 floors up, which was like over 100 metres higher. So that was literally the only place that sort of overhung where this hole was. Yeah. 
Um, but the roof of this old ho hotel is what's called a mansard roof, which is basically like instead of having two sides making a pitch in the middle like a roof, it like is sort of flat, It not even flat. It's like got four pitches of the roof, like sort of um, four pitches come together to make the roof. So it makes it, yeah. I think of like the Amityville Horror House sort of roof. Yeah, that's actually so, what I just had in my mind. Yeah, that's it. It's designed to give like an extra floor on the building so you can have like a floor in the roof bit that can be yeah. utilised. But that's what the roof of this building was. So very difficult to take a running jump because it wasn't like the hole was directly below this roof either. It was quite a ways away. So he would have had to had an extreme run up and launched himself into the air to get to where this hole was. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to start with even to be able to physically make that distance to get to that hole. The hole was not directly below where the roof was. It was 13 metres horizontally away, which is a long way when you're thinking about how far you can jump, right? Now, the people that know things um, have done some calculations and, you know, he would have had to have got a runner running fast enough to propel himself outwards, that 13 metres, and he would have had to have had quite a run-up to be able to do that, and he would have had a, a run-up a maximum of five metres on top of this roof just because of the way that the roof was shaped. And he was wearing thongs. So, as we know, running really fast in thongs isn't really a thing that's possible. No, 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 no. I object. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so what are your thoughts on that, where the hole was? You know, the only place he could have jumped was from that roof, but could he have even jumped from that roof? I need to see this to to understand it. It's so I've hard. Got a, I've got a picture. Hang on. Let me see if I can show you a I'll picture. I'll go for the picture because I need to. You need to know. need to understand this a bit more. Okay, so I'll quickly just show you a photo of the hole first and then I'll try and get a photo of the building. So that's the hole. Okay, yep. Um, okay, so here is the building. So you can see there where the hole was and then you can sort of see the building next to it. Yeah. So he would have had, see how there's a little bit of a ledge there, but yeah. there's like stuff on the ledge that would mean that he couldn't get like a total run up to yeah. actually launch off that far. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on seeing that? How far down was the drop? About 100 metres. It was pretty far. No, maybe he could have got enough launch. Mm hmm And just tin soldiered straight down. The tin soldier bit, though, is weird. The hole's very small. I feel like the flapping would be involuntary. Yeah. I just flap just because that's what you do, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like there's a lot of weirdness, right? Um, and there were balconies on those condos but that they were a little bit closer to the hole. But, of course, that means he would have had to have access to private residence in order to do yeah. that and all of that sort of thing. So now an autopsy is done and he has quite a few injuries, as expected. Yeah. Um, and, and it's what we would expect to see someone who's fallen that far. I mean, what I mean, the thing that I think is somebody who has fallen that far in, and hit the ground, I think broken legs for sure. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, you're just hitting the ground really, really hard. So essentially I wouldn't be surprised to see things like spinal fractures, head injuries, that sort of thing. Now I can tell you that usually you see really bad foot injuries in these types of falling victims, which makes sense, obviously, because it's taking the brunt of where they're landing. 
But for Ray, most of his injuries were on the right side of his body, which apparently is quite strange because in these cases they tend to see similar injuries bilaterally, so they're on both sides of the body. He had multiple cranial and facial fractures. His head, you know, obviously sustained quite a blow. He had pelvic fractures and a compound fracture of the right tibia and fibula. Uh, So it looks more like he landed on his left more than his right. He also had sternum, clavicle and rib fractures. Uh, He had lacerations and contusions to his lungs, heart, neck muscles, leg and left his left testicle. Now, some experts have weighed in on these injuries, including Miriam Moyer, who is a forensic expert specialising in impact biomechanics. So she specialises in people falling from heights. She feels that his injuries are more consistent with someone who's been hit by a car rather than having fallen and landed on the ground. So thoughts before we get to theories on these injuries. I don't see how you could have those injuries but fall through such a small hole. I know, and it's like I sort of defer to the experts on these things because that's why they're experts. And if she feels like it wasn't a typical injury, then then we have to sort of take that. But at the same time, I sort of think to myself, to a certain extent, the roof would have broken his fall, if you know what I mean. Like maybe we don't see the full brunt of falling 100 metres from the sky onto the ground because the roof sort of slowed him down a little bit maybe. Yeah. And the fact that the injuries were more on one side than than another, maybe that just means that he kind of, tended more to one side than the other or maybe as he sort of flopped through the roof he landed on one side more than the other I don't know I mean we don't know what happened mm. but I mean to me those injuries they don't rule anything out they they could certainly to me have been caused by falling through a roof you know there were things like broken legs there were contusions there were you know yeah. head injuries that sort of thing I, I don't see why you wouldn't see those sorts of injuries so that doesn't really push it in any one direction for me, the whole injuries yeah. thing. So let's have a look at theories. We know what's happened to Ray as far as his injuries and his death goes, but we don't know what the hell has happened to Ray at the same time. So let's first of all have a look at whether or not this might have been a suicide. I mean, it seems like Ray got a phone call, raced to his car, went to this car park. I mean, even his car looked hastily parked, like he just sort of, pulled up into a car bay without really making it straight or anything. Um, he And then he just sort of ran to the hotel roof and took a flying leap. Like that's yeah. what it looks like happened. Um, and this is the official stance. The autopsy did declare that the cause of death was undetermined but did add that it was in all likelihood a suicide. So the official line is that this was a suicide. But why, <laughs> you know, and were there warning, warning signs? Like yeah. it sounds to me like Ray was quite a, zest for life you know go getting sort of guy who was making plans and having projects and things so that doesn't really say you know someone who was thinking about suicide he didn't have any psychiatric conditions that we know of he hadn't been depressed he seemed happy um you know he seemed like a larger than life guy that was full of enthusiasm now we do know that there are people who have seemed completely happy and their suicide was completely unexpected we know that that can happen but usually you will find some sort of a history of mental illness with these people beforehand. Even if it was like an episode that happened years ago, you know, you'll find some sort of history 
to them. It's very rare that someone with zero mental health issues their entire life gets to 32 and then all of a sudden just commits suicide. That that itself is not as common as, you know, as, as it, it, well, it's just not that common. Mm. It's also a really odd way to do it. <laughs> like that's a really weird way to do it, to jump through a roof of another building. Mm. I mean, it's almost like extreme parkour gone wrong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> also, Ray apparently was extremely scared of heights, so the idea that he even went up to the roof of the building is really quite far-fetched as far as his family are concerned. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the suicide theory? A bit, just no real history. Mm. Just seems a bit off. It seems very sudden and random. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it's kind of likely and unlikely at the same time, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Likely because Occam's razor, it looks like it's the most obvious scenario, so that's usually what yeah. you go with. Yeah. But also, like, unlikely once you really hash out the logistics of it all. Which leads me to the next theory is that Ray had some sort of psychotic break. Um, so after his death, police took his computer to try and see if there were any clues. Um, and taped to the back of the computer, they actually discovered a letter that Ray had typed out and printed. Now, remember I said he was one of those guys that just sort of wrote all the time? Yeah. Um, this And this letter was like one of his sort of stream of consciousness type deals. Yeah. It had been typed in teeny tiny little font. It was a small sort of 15 centimetre section of paper and it had this like ginormous manifesto written all over it. And he'd sort of cut it out as well in a funny shape. Now, there were scraps in the bin, so it looks like it had actually been done that day that he he disappeared, so it looks like it was quite recent. And it's just absolute gibberish. It starts with, brothers and sisters, right now around the world, volcanoes are erupting. What an awesome sight. Whom virtue unites death will not separate. That's how it starts. Like, And it's just complete gibberish. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> It's just like whatever words come into my head, that's what I'm going to write. Yeah. Um, that last bit, though, apparently is a Masonic phrase, so maybe that was what it was on his mind at the time. The letter also lists famous dead people just randomly, so people like Christopher Reeve, Stanley Kubrick, as well as the names of some of his relatives, people that he knew, um, and then he, like, requests that the universe make them, them and him five years younger. It also mentions different movies, um, just like lists off all these different movies. And then finally it ends with, that was a well-played game. Congratulations to all who participated, but it was time to wake up. So here I am. Life is a test to see if you can control your spirit. Take care and enjoy your festivities. So that's how it ends. So thoughts on the letter? Well, the letter makers. <laughs> oh, it's just. You can't analyse these sorts of people. Like, you know, if you look at that in a sense of coming from someone who's potentially committed suicide, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But then if you look at it from the perspective of this guy's just a kook and he does this sort of stuff all the time, mm -hmm. like it doesn't seem like some sort of goodbye or whatever. Yeah. These people are hard to read when they're... Uh -huh out there and kooky and mm. yeah they're just you could sit here and try analyze everything about them everything they've ever written you won't get any sort of understand any further understanding I think you'll get more confused 
And his wife did say that he would write things like this quite often. Like it's just, yeah, you know how you just sort of sit at a computer and just like type whatever the hell comes into your head. It sounds like that's what this was. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's not really logical, but I wouldn't say that it definitely means he was psychotic or anything like that. Yeah. People just sometimes do this crazy stuff, you know. So I don't think that the letter itself in itself was too strange for Ray. But to me, it's the like cutting it out and taping it to the back of the computer, which is strange. That's the strange part to me. Yeah, but again, that's another weird kooky thing that a kooky Mm. person might do anyway. Yeah, right. Could it just be that he was just being weird or is it like? Yeah, it could. That's like (laughs) the weird thing with these weird people that do weird things. They don't make any sense. Mm, Right. And But also like was it an important thing to him and he wanted to hide it from people or something like that? I don't know, you know. They asked Alison about it once she actually read it and she's like, no, I've got nothing. I've got no idea what he was on about. Like, she's like, that's just crazy, Ray. That's what he does. So, so is a psychotic break possible? I mean, I guess so. His actions were certainly bizarre that day for sure. And, you know, it's a little bit late in life to start with a psychotic illness, but we don't know, maybe he'd been experimenting with drugs and this was like more a drug-induced psychosis or you know, something, who knows what flips the switch in people? Who mm. knows what actually just pushes people over the edge? And sometimes people do have underlying mental conditions that they just either hide really well or their symptoms just aren't that bad and you just don't really notice and you pass it off as them being kooky, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I guess he could have had a psychotic break, maybe. I don't know. I, I really don't know enough about it to call, unfortunately. Now, some people have noted that he talks about the game in the note. He says, I'd like to welcome those who accepted our invitations for memberships during the game. We couldn't have done it without you. And many people have suggested that there is a link to the David Fincher movie, The Game. Have you seen that one, the one with Michael Douglas in it? No. It's a really good movie. It's actually a fantastic movie. I watched it many, many years ago when it first came out. The the crux of it is that a guy, Michael Douglas, gets a birthday present from his brother that is basically participation in this game where you can't really tell whether it's reality or not. And lots of crazy shit happens to him and he doesn't know whether he's being punked or if he's actually got people after him or if it's a game or whatever. And it's just a really well done game. So Ray mentions this movie in his note and it looks like he is referring to a game being played. Now, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie and you don't, and you want to see it, shut your ears for 10 seconds at the end of the movie of the game the main character jumps off a building through a glass ceiling below so people have sort of drawn parallels here maybe that's what he was doing he thought that the way to end the game was to jump through that roof maybe so was this a psychotic episode where he thought that he was in some sort of game and you know jumping was how he had to end the game it's quite an interesting theory to me I don't know what are your thoughts on it I don't know You're not allowed to say that. (laughs) I just, I can't separate this person being kooky versus mentally unwell. It's so hard when you don't know the guy. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like we could sit here and analyze. And the thing is, yeah, we could sit here and analyze and listen to what people that knew him thought. Mm. Hey, how well did they really know him? How well do we really know anyone? We're going to get all deep and philosophical here. Like it just, yeah, how well do we actually know anyone, let alone trying to 
figure someone out who we don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't just, I just don't know because I it's think, weird. I think it's quite common for people to have very mild mental health symptoms and it just not get recognised and it just get passed off as I'm being kooky. I mean, I now am in the mental health industry and I have quite a few clients over the years and whatever, but, you know, a lot of people are just kooky and will be chatting and they'll be telling me about, you know, these things that they're doing at the moment and they're getting right into this and this is the newest thing, the craze that they're doing and everything. And, you know, that's all good. You just think, okay, this is a kooky person. But every now and then, then they'll start to sort of, after you've talked to them for many, many times and you think they're just a kooky person who's struggling with some stuff, all of a sudden they'll just hit you with a bombshell of, oh, yeah, and then, you know, the government started tracking me and putting satellites in my computers and all this. And, you know, like it goes from. Wait, you're talking just, about me. <laughs> yeah. It goes from like a kooky conspiracy theory sort of thing, which is the level I'd put you on, to a paranoid delusion, I think people are trying to kill me sort of thing. And you just see that jump and you're like, okay, now we're dealing with something else. I'm now. getting there. I'm getting there. Please don't. <laughs> I, I'm getting there. <laughs> if you tell me that they've bugged your computer, that's it. We <laughs> do bug our computers. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule the psychotic breakout. All the computers are bugged. I mean, it's just who they decide to actually follow. Yeah, I, nothing interesting is happening here. Nobody's following anything I do. I, I mean, think. basically, you know, sometimes I talk about, like, you know, the Clintons and, you know, that sort <laughs> of stuff. But, I mean, who doesn't these days? You're probably on some sort of watch list, you know. Doubtful. I'm not that <laughs> interesting. I mean, I'm just repeating stuff I've read. <laughs> like, I'm not um, starting new things. <laughs> doing crazy shit. Yes, yes, crazy shit. I'm just parrot crazy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I wouldn't rule out the whole psychotic break thing, but I'm finding it kind of yeah, hard. Like, to me, I feel like this is almost some sort of manic episode. Mm. And without knowing this guy's full history and knowing him as a person and not just listening to other people just say, he's just kooky. All of those times he was just kooky, he may well have been having a freaking manic episode. Well, there's also hypomania, which is like, you know, not as bad and you don't really realise it's happening sometimes. And, you know, this this whole, oh, you know, he's just larger than life and he gets really excited about stuff and he jumps from this to this. That just could, yeah, he could have been undiagnosed bipolar. You mm. don't know, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. I didn't know him. I'm not happy to diagnose anything, but I think we can say that this is a distinct possibility, right? But I'm finding it hard to get past the more practical parts of this story, though. So the location of where he landed is a sticking point to me, and I'll put those photos up on social so everyone can have a look at home. So the options here, you know, how someone gets to jump to that hole is either he gets to allege where a condo is, um, you know, and then sort of with no run-up whatsoever takes a super, superhuman leap off the edge, either off the edge of a condo or off that roof, you know, which would make, put it this way, if he had jumped off one of those ledges or off the roof, running five metres in thongs and made that 13-metre leap, he would literally beat the world long jump record by nearly double. 
Okay. So, <laughs> you know, like it just seems really implausible. Yeah, but you've got to take into account that there's falling as well. I guess so, but then we've got like the whole if you're team falling, there. if you've got even a little bit of a run up and you jump and then you continue to fall and you continue to go in the direction that you jump, you'd be surprised. Like they need it's almost like they need to do a reenactment of it. Yes, yes, I think so. A dummy that we need mythbusters. Yeah, and it needs a mythbusters to reenact yeah. it to like the dummy that is the same weight. Yeah. And look at all the different possibilities, all the different, you know, if he jumped from the spot, if he jumped with a run-up, yeah, um, to see what would happen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they they needed to recreate it, I think. But also like his phone, his glasses, his thongs, item which I've no doubt were on his person when he jumped, were found neatly placed next to the hole. Like, does the logistics of that work? I'm not so sure. And except for the thongs, everything's just completely intact and the hole itself is so small that he would have had to have tin-manned himself into it. So I just feel like there might be a question as to whether or not the physics could work here. I don't know. What do you think? I think it could. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not. It's just weird and uh, unlikely, I think. But, look, stranger things have happened, Um, you know, things that we've talked about on this show. I mean, I'm still battling with Zygmunt Adansky and how he ended up on that pile of coal. Like that's that actually like keeps me up at night sometimes. <laughs> I still don't know how that happened. I still laugh about how he looked like a man that had been dressed by someone who <laughs> didn't know how to dress people. <laughs> that's right. I still regularly think about that. <laughs> oh, Zygmunt, you're haunting our dreams. <laughs> so stranger things have happened even on this show but I just feel like it's just a tad unlikely also the fall was really far like really far not to be too graphic or anything but bodies aren't usually so intact after they've had a fall like that Mm. Um, and he was really scared of heights so you know he apparently he wouldn't even put the star on the Christmas tree like that's how scared of heights he was I mean we haven't even touched on the fact that he just got into like oh it comes the conspiracy stuff again <laughs> the freemasons yeah yeah that's it who knows what he actually like he just got into this yeah there's been long standing rumors about what actually happens mm. in the freemasons yeah i know there's a lot of rumors and probably the masons of years gone by were pretty, you know, had some shady shit going on. But I just, I can't get it out of my head that these days, like the modern Masons are just a whole lot of dude bros sitting around talking shit and just like drinking scotch and smoking cigars and not really doing much of anything. Like a real men's club sort of thing. Yeah, Saturdays for the boys. (laughs) Saturdays for the boys. Fucking losers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know whether we can blame anything on the Freemasons, but. I don't know. I don't know. You never know. You never know. But this leads into the next theory. Was the fall staged? Now, remember Miriam Moyer, the forensic expert? She wrote a book about this case because she was so, like, intrigued with it. Now, she thinks that Ray's injuries, like we said, are more in line with being hit by a car. 
There is the broken leg, the main damages on one side of his body, which lines up with being hit by a car. But how does this fit with everything? Okay, if we're going to say that he was hit by a car, like how does that actually work with the whole rest of the story? He was hit by a car and then somebody took his body to an abandoned building and bashed a hole in the roof above him? No, probably not. You know, that seems extremely implausible to me. And, you know, so what about was he beaten to death? Maybe someone met him there, beat him to death and staged the fall. Well, interestingly, there's no CCTV footage of Ray inside or outside of the Belvedere that day. So we never actually see him walk into the building. So I feel like that's important. Like, don't, I feel like that's a quite an important step to think about. It certainly feels like he didn't meet someone there because he was never seen actually going there. So that to me sort of leads more to the theory that he did fall through the roof. However, interestingly, the cameras from the roof of the Belvedere that day were not working. So that's interesting as well. They worked the day before and the day after, but not that day. Nah. So there's shadiness, right? There's weirdness. But is there enough to say that there was a conspiracy theory? I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah. Yep. Calling conspiracy. Yeah. Freemasons. Freemasons. People have even suggested that, like, he was in a helicopter. Someone, like, threw him out of a helicopter or something like that. But, I mean, it just sounds so weird, right? I think if I'm to look at the evidence as a whole, Something really chaotic happened that day. I think we can say that much, right? Something really chaotic happened in Ray's life, either within his mind or as a result of his interactions with other people. And I'd love to know the details of that phone call he got because that seemed to have been the trigger to whatever happened, right? Why won't Agora not tell everyone who called him? I mean, we've got it that the call came from their switchboard. So why won't they tell us who it was that called him? Actually, many people say that there must be some sort of conspiracy with Agora because of this. Like they just sort of shut their doors and we're not talking about it sort of thing. You've disappeared. I'm here. You better not be eating cheese off the floor. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know. Agora are part of the Freemasons. It's all tied in together. I there were. Someone in that company has something to do with the Freemasons. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. Yep. There were early rumours that Porter Stansbury had put a gag order on his employees to not talk to anyone, including the detectives. But this was just that, a rumour. It wasn't actually true. What he did was tell his employees to refer any media inquiries to a spokesperson, which is completely standard in these situations. Porter was also at a corporate retreat with all of his employees at the time that it happened. So whoever called Ray wasn't from that section of Agora. Yeah. Interestingly, Porter was literally the only person who said Ray was not in a great mental state prior to his death. He said Ray had approached him as a friend and said that he'd been depressed enough to not get out of bed some days. Alison denies this though. She's like, Ray was fine. I never saw that. So is this narrative building for nefarious reasons or is Porter just the only person that Ray felt comfortable talking to about this sort of stuff and he didn't want to worry Alison, you know, so he was masking for her? All these questions you've got to start asking, right? Yeah. And I guess this makes me feel as though there could have potentially been something like a bipolar diagnosis like we were saying 
you know, he was being depressed, but he was just really, really good at hide, hiding his lows, maybe. Yeah. It did turn out that Ray was $90,000 in debt too when he died. So there's that. That's enough to make anyone quite stressed, right? I did turn up another interesting tidbit too in my research. So Alison had found a little coin on one of her work trips that had a little heart cut out of it. She gave it to Ray and told him that whenever, whenever you need me, You've got this penny, you can hold it close, you can know that I'm there with you. So apparently he used to keep it in a bowl on his dresser and it pretty much never left there. It was always just there all the time. Well, when Ray's body was found, it was in his pocket. So was he feeling upset? Was he feeling like he needed to have the penny with him? Another little interesting thing and I don't know how to place that. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Sometimes the people closest don't always see what's actually happening. Hmm. It definitely sounds like something was going on for Ray. Yeah. Actually, another thing that should have been in his pocket that never was rec- recovered was an antique money clip that he, his father, it had belonged to his father. And apparently it was something he never was without and it was never found or located either. So I don't know where that went. Another bit of the puzzle that makes things even more confusing. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, this says that potentially someone maybe came across his body and robbed him after he was already dead, maybe. Yeah. Which, if that's true, we've got potentially somebody tampering with a crime scene too to deal with, which is yeah. bizarre. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. What are your final thoughts on what happened to Ray? I think he was undiagnosed. Mm, sounds like it, right? Yeah. And that he just happened to die in a really weird way, which is hard to explain. Very hard to explain. There's there's yeah. still elements of it that are a little bit too weird for me. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it certainly sounds as though something was going on for him. And whatever that phone call was, it really just triggered something for him, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, there are some sticking points to me, like the size of the hole, for starters. Ray was six foot five and weighed 120 kilos. Yeah. So that's a lot of him, right? That hole would have required a full-on pencil dive, which would have been very difficult given the run-up that he would have had to have had. Yeah. Not impossible, but makes it quite unlikely, you know. As to his stuff being neatly lined up, I mean, the only thing that makes sense to me if he really did jump was that someone's come by the site after it's happened and they found his stuff and they've just lined it up next to the hole. Yeah. Is it possible someone was on that roof and just did that maybe? Yeah. People are weird. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe someone just on autopilot laid his stuff out nicely as like a last act of kindness or something. Yeah. Or, you know, it's unlikely but not impossible that they just landed that way. Stranger things have happened. So I think that the suicide thing has to make some, you know, to me to believe the suicide thing, I've got to make some stretches for it to work. But honestly, the idea that he was murdered is even more unlikely to me. I mean, nobody yeeted a 120-kilo man that far. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) I mean, as hard as it is to run and jump, off a building and get that far, it's even harder to throw a 120 kilo man off a building, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one hit him with a car or bashed him, I don't think. I think that 
if that's the case, then they're going down and they're like bashing a hole in a roof, which is completely unlikely to me. There's just yep. no evidence that that happened. So I think we have evidence of a well-hidden mental illness and signs of a po possible psychotic break. That's probably, you know, it's not clear cut. It's not a hundred percent, but I think that that's probably the best thing I can come up with. What do you think? Yeah. I think the same. Yeah. I think it has to be right. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, it's weird. Very weird. Very weird. And, um, yeah, if you want to see sort of visuals and that sort of thing, go and check out. It's not the most recent series of Unsolved Mysteries. It's like the year before. I think it might be, it might have been 2020 or 2021. Um, and it's like the first episode. And it's quite interesting just to sort of see. I mean, there's a school, of, there's, there's people out there who think that he was murdered and they just won't be convinced otherwise. But like we always say, you've got to look at the evidence. And I just don't see any evidence that that happened at all. Yeah. You know, it's just. It would be weird if he did. He had done it himself, but it would be even weirder if someone else had done it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know what you think. Do you think he that Ray did this himself? Do you think he was that he had a reason to do it or if it was just some sort of psychotic break or is it a conspiracy? Did somebody kill him? Let conspiracy. us know. Yeah, that's it. All right, everyone, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.